Hey guys, welcome to our podcast, Do You Mind, where we will discuss a wide range of topics based on mental and physical health, well-being, and manifestation. My name is Willa. And my name is Leah. We really wanted our first topic of discussion to really set the stage for other segments to come in the future. Today, we just want to talk about the overall stigma and cultural view of mental health. Though this is a segment that, you know, there's only so much that we can talk about right. in, in 15, 20 minutes, but we'll only scratch the surface. This topic is so very important to us and, like, what we want to do with our careers and in the future, but should be important to everyone, should be important to you, so we encourage you to really listen to what we have to say and then really do your own research after that. Right, of course. And so for a little bit of an introduction, I'm just going to introduce to you guys what stigma is. Um, So stigma can be considered as a combination of three related problems. First one is ignorance, so not knowing about something. Prejudice, which is like having preconceived views about something. And then discrimination, so basically discriminating based upon the prejudice that you um, have based on something. So Willa and I both go to Florida State University, so go Knowles. Um, And we both are psych majors, and we both took a class called Abnormal Psychology, which studies the certain disorders and certain classes of disorders and treatment diagnoses um theories and all that stuff that goes with each disorder and I had a great professor her name was Colleen Jerkson and she was a clinical psychology doctoral student at Florida State and she really taught me a lot and she really started the class with explaining you know and trying to eliminate um stigmas of mental health and she really said that mental health is just health and it's something that will and i have really loved and that we've you know many of you know that we also have a website so we added you know large parts of of our website are included with that statement and we just think that they shouldn't be viewed physical health and mental health shouldn't be viewed as two separate things are equally as important and should be equally treated and viewed the same yeah exactly exactly. so she wanted us to use this kind of flu analogy so it's like when you think of symptoms of the flu like well what do you think about we like cough Cough, you get chills like the fever and muscle throat so all that stuff so you could still have the flu even though you don't have one of the particular symptoms so like Let's say I had a sore throat and chills, and then Willa had a fever and... Uh, sore throat. Yeah, something like that. Then just because, like, we both don't necessarily present the exact same way doesn't mean that her and I both don't have the flu. Yeah, exactly. We do. So she wants us to think that, like, mental illness is the same. So her example is, like, if you use people with depression... Many of the main symptoms have to do with anhedonia, which is the meaning of losing interest, mm-hmm. and then rather than having a depressed mood right. as their main symptom. So though one person may have one and the other person has another, they both will still have depression. So another point that she made was that we never blame a person with the flu for having a fever or like actually getting the flu. You right. know what I mean? It's not their fault. Yeah, so we want them to feel like, you know, 
we love them, we appreciate them, that we want them to get better, that whether that means going to the doctor, getting medication, that they do those things to help themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So the same should go for mental illness. We shouldn't blame people for their symptoms or the disorders that they have, that they've developed or that they were born with, because those are things that are um, out of their control and that people cannot just snap out of it or that. Yeah. You wouldn't tell someone with a fever, just like cool down, bro. Like (laughs) get over it. Yeah. Yeah. So mental health awareness is not just for others, but it's also people who have mental disorders to show them that you know, people with mental disorders shouldn't feel damaged. That is important to have a support system around you who believes in you, believes in you getting better, who understands right. what you have and what you're going through. Right. So then when we want to talk about different colloquial language of certain mental disorders and that kind of hinders, you know, the importance of these mental disorders or how much of a problem they are in other people's lives who have them. One of them that's a really, really big one is OCD. That people mm-hmm. are like, yeah, I'm so clean. I'm so organized. Like, I'm... OCD like I need to stop being OCD when that is not what OCD means and I'm sure um later on in future segments we will do certain segments about you know specifically disorders disorders, and and I don't want to go too in depth in this one but OCD is basically means um obsessive compulsive disorder so you have these intrusive obsessive thoughts that partake in these compulsive behaviors so thoughts cause behaviors and to stop these thoughts from happening that's why you have to do the behavior to make you feel better which in turn causes distress and impairment in your daily life right and if there's no distress and impairment if there's no intrusive thoughts then that is not OCD at all and you being me is not a symptom of no. OCD it's not how OCD not presents at all. at all another big one's bipolar you know people were like oh well the you weather switch is your mood. so bipolar yeah especially <laughs> you know we live in Florida and weather changes all the time so right. when you say things like that um you know, moods changing quickly, and and that's not how bipolar presents itself. And bipolar is not at all uh, mood swings. And people with bipolar spend specific, significant time, like within an episode, and go back between equal states of of well being. And I'm sure, like I said, we'll go back and really talk about these in depth. And then yes. another big one is psychotic disorders. And you know, general population believe that people with psychotic disorders are violent. And in many small cases, there is, but not the large percentage of them. And, you know, we also see that people without mental disorders are extremely violent. And, you know, there's a study done on people with schizophrenia and that in terms of crime, most of them were seen as the victims rather than the perpetrators. And I feel like often, in you know, we see in TV shows like right. Law and Order, like it's definitely reverse. And that's why we have that stigma. Right. The media has a ton to do with the stigmatization and like social media and all everything that your friends and stuff are sharing that like has to do with this kind of negative view and like colloquial view of really serious terms that some people have to deal with like these disorders and in their really daily hard life to break those yeah and exactly. it's hard for them when there's this negative stigma floating around society i feel like that has to do a big part with the next study that you're going to talk right. about too Yes. So basically, um, I did research on a study done by Diana Rose and company, and it looked into the mental health stigmatization among 14-year-old school students um, based on different words and terms they use to label mental disorders. So um, this research gave insight that stigma creates a culture of kids not having the best access to actual knowledge about mental health Mm -hmm. and mental disorders. They just have what, you know, their friends said to them or what their older sister's friend retweeted on Twitter on social media right so it's not actual you know knowledge um 
So because of these stereotype labels, um, that's like the only kind of access they have to the knowledge. No one's teaching them like the facts. No one's telling them the truth about these disorders. They're only seeing the negative stereotyped labels. So 85% of the participants um, of the students in this study provided terms to describe a person with mental illness. So only 85 of the people chose to participate. So um, most of the terms used were popular derogatory terms and um, these, the terms relating to psychiatric diagnosis were unexpectedly uncommon. So most people just use things like psycho and not actually like schizophrenia disorder. Like they didn't use actual terminology, just term. what they hear on social media. Mm -hmm. There's also strong evidence in this research that points to the idea that negative emotions and attitudes act as a barrier to care. So because of this negative environment around uh, mental illness and mental disorders, that leads to a lack of care that our peers have. It seems like an often, uh, like a like this endless cycle and this right. like feedback loop of just exactly you know the, you have these not, like negative connotations from people that are supposed to care that you think are supposed right. to be important people in your life that have great influence on how you view the world and and then you know you feel bad about what you have but then you you are afraid to go out and and help yourself right and fix the problems that you may be having. Exactly. And this study found further that young people have a less favorable attitudes towards people with mental illness in comparison adult to adults. And then that also supports the idea that young people with mental illness are exposed to higher levels of stigma than adults, because when you're an adult, you know where to go for research. But when you're, you know, a young teenager or, you know, a young kid in school, you only have your peers and the direct and information. Obviously also, you know, we've talked about many cultures do not really recognize right. mental disorders. So it may be also with, you know, where you were born, how you were raised, um, the attitudes towards mental illness that often right. when you are older and you're able to make your own decisions and make your own assumptions and viewpoints and do your own research that things do start to change. Exactly. And so further, um, a study that accompanied Diana Rosen Company's research um, also pointed to... Um, an investigation with participants between the age 12 to 25 um, asked to um, look at a vignette of either a young person with depression or psychosis and then ask, and then they, they were asked what they thought was wrong with the person in the vignette and what kind of treatment they should receive. These results showed that the young people who correctly labeled the disorder were also those who most identified appropriate help-seeking and treatment options for these people. So basically, the young people that knew what symptoms to look for... Yeah, when you look, knew, you know what to look yeah, for, then you know how, how to, to treat. treat exactly. certain disorders require certain things, different needs have to be met, exactly. requirements, diagnoses, symptoms... Exactly. So this is just all leads into how stigmatization like genuinely hurts people's ability to go get help, especially at a young age. And like those year years are so important in your development that if something's, you know, something doesn't feel right, you should feel welcome to go get help and not, you know, only have all these negative um, associations around mental health and mental disorders. Yeah, I completely understand. Yeah. So then some further research that I looked into was done by Dr. Antonis, and I'm totally going to butcher his last name. It's 
Kusaulis. Kusaulis. We're really sorry if you're <laughs> so sorry. If you happen to be listening to this, we apologize. We're so sorry. <laughs> but basically, his like research, he just accumulated a bunch of other people's research into about how your brain associates things in two main systems of thinking. So, system one, he said, what operates automatically and quickly with little or no effort and no sense of voluntary control. So, this is like your feely side of the brain, and this controls um, things such as walking or talking or our immediate emotional reactions to things and makes us all kind of an effortless way like you don't have to think about walking you don't have to think about crying when someone punches you in the arm it just happens and then system two he said allocates attention to the effortful effortful mental activities that demand it so this part of our brain represents our conscious um, side our reasoning self that makes decisions and solves complex like calculations um basically this is called our thinky brain I like that, you know, yeah. thinky, thinky and, and feely. <laughs> so compared to our thinky brain, our feely brain has developed over millions of years and includes highly complex associations that allow us to live our normal day-to-day lives. I'm sure that that has, you know, it's definitely about, you know, evolution and exactly. adaptation. You know, you cry exactly. and you feel certain things to avoid danger. and Right, exactly. It's just basic, like, human instinct and instinct yeah. as and part of, it, like, an animal instinct. And so basically how language affects the feeling and thinking brain is that a word brings an idea and I, an idea triggers many other ideas. So our feely brain keeps making connections between all those ideas by resurfacing memories and in turn recall Recalling, emotions. Yeah. Yeah. With stigmatization that often, you know, recalls many, many, um, negative emotions exactly. and, and negative, um, memories and all of that sort and brings about, you know, a bunch of other reactions towards that. Exactly. And this is all just like in a split second. Like you're not thinking about, oh, why did this person punching me in the arm make me cry? You're crying because your brain is instantly linking that to memories of like, oh, it hurt last time I got punched in the arm. Oh, that means this person's mad at me. And then your thinky brain is what's then doing the conscious like, why did this person punch me? Yeah, it's like why the, it's like the step two. You know, what, so, what are you going to do after that happens? Exactly. So link that to like mental... Um, health and like stigmatization through the like use of labeling other people saying oh Becky's so OCD when she's not so this is like said in a negative way so that person's perceiving it as a negative way and then you don't know who around maybe someone else in your class or someone else um, in your friend group hears you call someone else OCD and they actually have OCD so now they get this negative association they get that instant feeling of sadness and embarrassment and then they feel deterred from going and looking for help because you basically just offended them without even knowing. That's like I said earlier, you know, with with this cycle, that with the use of words and the use of, you know, when you hide, and and I'm sure we'll talk about this in, in future segments to come, that with, with many disorders, one of the main symptoms has to do with avoidance. Exactly. So when you avoid feeling bad, you avoid using this feely brain, you avoid seeking help. You avoid confronting the issue. Right. But the, one of the main reasons why you think that it's an issue in the first place is because of these people using these language and deterring you from and not understanding what, what you really have and what you're really exactly. going through. Exactly. So basically, like, your words are a powerful tool, and you should be using them daily to help educate people about where to find help and how to take care of their mental state instead of just colloquially saying a word without thinking about how that affects others or and taking responsibility meaning, yeah, for your actions. Behind them. Exactly. 
So like we said, everything we wanted to share with you today is only scratching the surface. I'm sure we could talk about this for hours. (laughs) Yeah, but if you wish to know more about this topic, please, please, please feel free to conduct more research. Ask us about it. You know, grow your mind, expand your horizons. Think about the times that you've possibly held a stigma towards mental health. And you may not even have known it. Yeah. That you may have said something like, oh, I'm so depressed or like, Oh, a big one is like, oh, I want to kill myself or, oh, I, uh, I'm OCD. Like I like everything neat or, oh, the weather's being so bipolar. So think about times that you've done this, find ways to get yourself educated about what you're actually talking about, about what your actual feelings are without using terms that harm people with mental disorders and kind of pull down this, this mental health. And, you know, by using better word choice, by understanding these, we can eliminate this stigma against mental health and see it as just an important thing to our overall health as physical health. Exactly. Exactly. Another thing is if you are feeling these feelings, but then just like colloquially brushing it off and like making a joke out of it, you should consider like actually searching and looking for help. Yep. Um, if you do, if there is truth to like saying, I want to kill myself, I'm so depressed, please, please go get help. Don't let the negative like um, effects that society has put on phrases like that affect you so that you feel ashamed. You should not feel ashamed. You should get help. And your peers who are using these um stereotyped terms they most of the time probably do not know the effect that they're having on you so make sure you take that in and don't let them deter you from going to get help basically we hope you guys enjoyed this and at yes learn something new so we'll be posting new segments soon so please keep an eye out yes bye guys